Welcome to the Business, Systems and Success podcast, where Australian business leaders talk about their businesses, their systems and how they achieve success. Hosted by Paul Lindsay, Managing Director of Compass Assurance Services. I'm Paul Lindsay again. Time for another podcast. You're listening to Business Systems and Success. Today I'll be speaking with Chris Muir, the National Operations Manager and Alan Bird, Managing Director of Marine and Civil Maintenance. Marine and Civil Maintenance repair and protect concrete infrastructure such as bridges, wharves, jetties and other plant. They're certified to ISO 9001 quality 4801 and 18001 safety management systems as well as uh, environmental management system ISO 14001. What I love about this business is they started out as as a as basically Alan working on him by himself in his back shed with an interest in cathodic protection. Today they've grown to a business employing over 30 employees working on projects all over Australia. They've, they've got ambition. They're hungry to continue growing the business and see their systems as a key way to help them do that. So let's get on with the podcast. Hey, everybody. Paul Lindsay here, Managing Director for Compass Assurance Services. Welcome to Business Systems and Success podcast. If this is the first time you're listening, then thanks for joining us. Show notes can be found at our website, www.compassassurance.com.au. You can find us on your favourite podcast feed or iTunes. You can also follow me on Twitter at CompassAS and Facebook. All links are in the show notes. So let's get into the show. So welcome, Alan and Chris. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thanks, Paul. So tell us a little bit about marine and civil maintenance. What... uh, What's, what's your line of business? What do you guys do? Well, Paul, we're a, an engineering contracting business. Um, more specifically, we, we do asset rehabilitation um, with specialty around concrete repair and protection systems for those concrete assets. So when, you, when you're talking concrete assets, are we, you're looking at bridges and what, what type of structures? Look, it's, it's, it's a range of assets. Um, we probably focus more coastal um, just because we're a lot of the issues do arise um, within these concrete structures. But it ranges from bridges, wharfs, it could be buildings, um, uh, it could be heritage-listed buildings, um, uh, culverts, weirs, uh, tanks. There's a, there's a range of uh, assets that, that, that requires our attention. So you're based in Gladesville in Sydney with, with approximately, uh, I think, around 30 staff now? Yeah, that's correct. We we have a, a small workforce on site of about twenty guys, and um, including our supervisors. And then in the office, we have roughly uh, 10, 10 sort of uh, managers and administration. And and the projects you're doing are they they all in Australia, or all in Sydney, or are they? Where They're all in Australia at the moment, um, but we operate everywhere. Um, very very remote locations. We've worked up in the Northern Territory um, at Cape Don. Um, right down to the Spencer Gulf in, in South Australia. Um, most of our work is on the eastern seaboard um, and we are looking to, to move overseas, particularly into the New Zealand market. Fantastic. So, so Alan, um, 
the business started in two thousand and one. So, so how how did you how did you get into the business? What what was the catalyst? Well, I was a civil engineer who was used to working on big civil structures, and I saw a uh, uh, an opportunity to develop new technology which was emerging into the marketplace, which was cathodic protection, which is a corrosion control system, an electronically uh, based corrosion control system for all reinforced concrete structures. I enjoy the uh, the detail of that sort of work, and I enjoy the challenges of of uh, trying to figure out how to get underneath a wharf or uh, uh, or a bridge while it's still in operation. And I decided that was a, a good area to get into in my own business. I had been a, a uh, an employee up until then, but I decided it was time to give it a try. And, and set up the business. So I, I, you, you told me when we were off air that it, it started started out in the, the shed at home. So so things have come a long way since then. But you know what was it like in those early days? Well, the reason I started in the garden shed was that I figured that if all my clients own wharves and bridges, they're hardly likely to be coming to my office very often. So it didn't really matter what sort of office I had. And uh, what I did was I, I set about from this little garden shed telling everybody that uh, my company... Uh, could do all of these uh, all of these major projects, and the clients invariably said, in one way or another, "Well, we know you personally because you've done it before for a previous employer, but we don't know your company." And so, for about seven months, I struggled to uh, to get any jobs at all until eventually, I managed to win a subcontract with a company that I had been working with before. And that started us off. And once we had runs on the board, we were able to progress from that point and get our own projects directly with our clients, who are typically government departments, port authorities, road authorities, and so forth. So on, on the journey, I mean, starting out with, with, with just yourself to, to today, 15, 16 years later, with, with 30-odd staff, um, must have been some some real changes to, to how you do things and how you, you structure the business. Um, um, give, us, give us an idea around some of those changes to your systems and things that, that have taken place. Yes, when I started, uh, it was all paperwork. Everything was uh, filing cabinets and faxes. And now we're moving into the, uh, the cloud based filing systems and uh, everything is laptop. So our supervisors who might have 10 years ago not even known how to turn on a laptop, now will have them. Yeah. And uh, as the company has grown, we've moved out of our garden shed and we've moved into uh, bigger offices. We're now on our second set of offices, uh, which uh, we own. And as we've grown, we, uh, we have developed a whole range of new systems for managing our business into the future and Chris uh, could well talk about that at this point. Yeah so, so Chris you coming into the role coming into the organization um, what have you what have you seen in terms of and, and what are some of the challenges and, and some of the key focuses around around systems? Yeah thanks Bob I've been here seven months now so fairly early days I suppose within the business um, but in that time frame, we've, we, well, we're going through a significant change. Um, and one thing I have noticed is that 
you know, everything that's been developed by Alan and everyone else over the first 15 years um, is extremely detailed and met the needs of the business um, at that particular point. Um, for the last three years, we've um, sustained pretty well 20 to 30% growth. Wow. And it's that sort of growth which is putting, I suppose, pressure on our systems um, and the need for greater level of reporting and transparency around our performance, um, particularly forecasting you know, our performance and what it looks like and, and what needs and demands that's then putting back onto the business. So what are the what are some of the the key focuses then? You know, with a growing business like that, what 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 are some of the projects you're looking at around around your internal systems? Well a lot of it is is getting it out so um, I suppose the detailed processes that we have in place um, are easily accessible and usable from everyone within the business. And, and that's critical because it's allowing us then to, one, talk a common language and have a standardisation in our approach, you know, to obviously delivering our, our projects um, and get that consistency that we need. The, the second area that we've really focused on in the last six months is, is looking at our financial reporting um, and making sure that, you know, we have the uh, detailed um, monthly reports that look at how the projects are going and then look at the forecasting on how the projects are anticipated to go. And that's been a, a big cultural shift within the business um, in terms of discipline and, and just viewing projects in a little bit different light. I mean, 20 to 30% growth, it, um, I mean, that's a fantastic, fantastic result. You, you keep on that trajectory, there'll be, be a lot more than 30 staff here in the, in the next couple of years as well. Yeah. Yes, we, we have actually uh, had a model that we've adopted all the way through and followed all the way through to keep a core of skilled and uh, technically competent people. And whenever we start a job in some uh, distant place, because uh, it, it's uneconomic to send a large crew there, we'll send in these skilled people as supervisors, leading hands and what have you, and employ local staff and train them. So. Our actual working workforce at any one time, including subcontractors, is a lot larger, but we still have this lean and mean model of being able to go from one site to another with a small crew as a nucleus. And, and in terms of health and safety environment, these types of things, do you have external clients or others that are interested in your, your systems and the robustness of them? Oh, everyone. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's... You know, without it, um, it's very hard to ensure that you've got full compliance, um, not only to legislation, but obviously your contractual obligations. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, our systems around our health and safety, um, you know, provide really that, that governance framework to allow us to, to you know, develop the right behaviours, um, culture and, and performance that we expect, yeah. um, particularly around safety, which is, you know, our number one focus within the business. Um, and it's it's critical to have a you know a very robust system in place. So you you've been certified for for quite some time now um, for to quality safety and environmental standards, and well before um, you got involved with Compass a couple of years ago. So what um, what were the drivers around getting certification? You're right. We we were certified four or five years after establishing the business uh, with all three environmental safety and, uh, and quality standards. The primary reason, I suppose, 
was that uh, it's the only way that you were going to get business with the government departments that we worked with. But it, uh, the secondary reason is that we actually wanted to get something out of it. Mm. We wanted to get value. We wanted to run safe sites. We wanted to avoid environmental pollution. And what I found is that if you keep your, your procedures and your systems effective and reflecting exactly what you do, they will give you efficiencies, they'll give you performance improvements. Yeah, look, just on that, I reckon, you know, it's, it is a challenge of the business as you develop not to create procedures and systems for the sake of it. Yep. And everything that we do um, is about improving the efficiency and the effectiveness of our, of our operations. Um, so if we do develop, you know, extending on what Alan was saying, it must provide value back to the business. If it provides value to the business, then people are very likely to adopt that process or that procedure and actually follow it. Mm. Um, the difficult ones is where you know sometimes you need to um, implement a system or a process because of compliance reasons, um, and that is the major driver. And it's that that obviously there's a lot of education on why you're doing it to make sure that your staff and your employees continue to follow it. And you think you've got the right mix then? Is it? Have you achieved what, what you wanted out of the whole process? We're continually changing it, I have to say, and uh, that's gone on from 2004 when we put in our first certified system. But the changes have been often driven by external factors rather than the need to change a procedure. And they've reflected, I suppose, uh, different, um, different emphases from the marketplace. But... We've found that uh, with all of those changes that we have improved what we're doing on a continual basis. So, into the future. Um, you mentioned earlier, Chris, that um, you're looking at, at New Zealand and, and ho hopefully the future is uh, more, more uh, sustainable growth uh, as you've been doing over the last few years. But what, what, are, what are some of the key, key plans for marine and civil maintenance for the next couple of years? It, look, it's a pretty dynamic market. Um, it, it's, it's one that's becoming more mature and sophisticated as, as time goes on. Um, we're, we're probably going through a period where the, the age of assets are now requiring uh, attention and, and it's mm. a lot cheaper to refurbish than to, to build new. So we have a good growing market that is going to provide us that sustainable growth. Um, Look, we're looking overseas, um, you know, we're geographically around Australia, you know, even say WA, if um, the, the timing's right over there. Um, there's other capabilities that we want to bring back into the business um, and just um, um, broaden our scope of services that we provide to our clients. Um, but most of that's really going to hinge around, I think, the further development of our systems, particularly um, going back to... Alan's point of our resource model, where we have a very highly skilled small workforce and we complement that with local resources. Yep. Um, so our systems support our training and development of our internal staff and also those external resources. And that's a critical part of our business um, and something that, you know, um, I think will create a lot of opportunities as well for us. Um, um, so it, it's an area that we're, we're really focusing on in the near future. So, so it sounds like, you know, finding and retaining those those high-caliber 
staff have been a real critical success factor for you. Yes, it has. And uh, in fact, we've been lucky that employing local staff as we go, quite often we find one person who's, uh, who's particularly good mm. and who's prepared to travel. And so we've organically grown uh, our central core of staff and we're developing leading hands into supervisors and, uh, and supervisors into uh, uh, more senior roles. And it's been a real pleasure to me, actually, to see how some relatively unskilled labourers have managed to work their way up through the ranks and have been trained and have stayed with us. So it's, uh, it's very encouraging. It's brilliant. So any, any lessons you'd like to share to, to the listeners from your, from your journey? Any, any pearls of wisdom? Oh, goodness. Uh, well, I, I've learned to keep it simple. Uh, Keep it simple and useful, not complex and wonderful. That's about um, the one thing that I've managed to learn. Well, I like that. That's a, that's a good way to finish up, uh, Alan. So you've been listening with, with Alan Bird, the Managing Director, and Chris Muir, Operations Manager for Marine and Civil Maintenance. Thanks for listening, everyone. Um, uh, and thanks to my special guests. Thank, thanks, guys. Thank you. Pleasure. Thank you. My name's Paul Lindsay. Thanks for listening, everyone. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on your favourite podcast catcher. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook. You've been listening to the Business, Systems and Success podcast, hosted by Paul Lindsay. For transcripts, tools and more info, visit www.compassassurance.com.au.